I guess I guess we could do outtakes on it, right? Like, look at that. The the, the, the hat marketers. Okay, wait. To... Are you doing that, or yeah. am I doing this? Uh, I don't know. We're gonna, we're gonna do both. Like, uh, what's his name on uh, Sylvester Stallone and Over the Top? Uh, <laughs> when I turn my hat like this, it's like a switch. It's a switch. And then I'm ready to. Actually, I do that on stage. I go. I'm like, I want you guys to press the damn button. Is that what you do? I do. That's cheesy, dude. It is cheesy. <laughs> That's what I love it. It's pretty cheesy. <laughs> And guess what? People take it works, people right? take pictures and they remember that statement. That's Have no fear of missing out. The show's about FOMO. Your host is Brian Franzo. I'll tell you what you don't know. And now your host, I Social Fans. What's up, everyone? Uh, as you could tell by that fun little banter uh, previ- previous to the intro, you guys are in for a special episode, and um, let's just say this is the start of something fun that is in the works. But um, I actually, you know, I've been traveling around, and I've, I've been slacking a little bit on my uh, podcasts, so I'll be dropping a bunch of episodes over the next couple of days, a couple of weeks, so be prepared. And this one is a unique one, and uh, I'm going to call this... Uh, Fans and friends, I almost said FOMO and friends, fans and friends with Chris Cubby. And Chris Cubby is a a friend of mine. And actually, I'm going to talk to you about him uh, on the episode. But this is a really candid conversation between myself and one of my favorite marketers today. He lives in Copenhagen. We're going to talk a little bit about um, what I think of Copenhagen, what I think about Paris, what he thinks about Paris, even... We discuss the um, the idea of um, you know typical Americans, but we also break down some marketing. We aren't afraid to throw a couple uh, f bombs in there. Uh, we we really just had some fun. The, this this interview wasn't really meant for a podcast. We just decided we wanted to create some content. We threw a camera in front of us, and the two of us really just chatted for about thirty minutes. And I think it's gold. I think you guys are going to get a ton out of this conversation, and um, I really enjoyed it. I, I probably um, if we could have, I probably would have loved to have a conversation with him for about an hour, but um, maybe that'll happen in the near future. But this is a different episode. It's not just me, but I get to uh, interview my buddy Chris Cubby, and then uh, Chris uh, really gets to interview me a little bit. So we kind of kick back and forth our thoughts on different topics from digital marketing, social media, where we're at today, where things are going tomorrow. And we did this kind of in a back room um, in Poland. We were both speaking at a, a big, a giant event called InfoShare there. There was about 7,000 people there, and the two of us were on stage a couple times as speakers. But um, you guys are going to enjoy this. So um, sit back, you know, have some fun with this. Uh, I'd love to hear your feedback as always on Twitter or instant message or on messenger or DM or Instagram. Instagram is currently my favorite platform. It's also Chris's favorite platform. So you'll hear a little bit about that on this episode as well. But um, that's, that's enough of me bantering about it. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. And so with that, sit back and enjoy a candid fans and friends conversation with Chris Cubby. So we're the hat marketers. We are the hat marketers today. Hat That's marketers. Right. And we just got, we were going to be the food marketers yesterday because we decided that our Instagram stories were only us eating. Standard Instagram, it's always about food, right? <laughs> it is, even on the stories. Food, <laughs> butts, like 
chicks' asses. Yes. Hoverboards. Hoverboards. Hoverboards always work. And like putting big stacks of money up to your ear. Uh, of course. Right like, like money is calling you. Money, money is. I think that's uh, my Instagram is going to be only that from now on. <laughs> <laughs> my ass. <laughs> Stacks of money. Stacks of money and random ass food. Random food. From food trucks in Poland. I think it's a good idea. In Poland, so. That was a nice minute and a half of just talking bullshit, right? Yeah, we're good at that. That's why this wasn't live. Because <laughs> the poor audience would be like, what the fuck did they just buy themselves into? They like that, though. Nope. So, who are you? Bram Fanzo, iSocial Fans. I'm Chris Cubby. At Chris Cubby on everything. Yeah, at iSocialFans on everything. Consistency, boys and girls, right here. We, we practice and we, we, we're big fans of branding. Cubby Cubby. I, like, I got some be good to people love. I only wear my own shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the opposite. I always wear other, other people's shit. I need to take that. Uh, and the best part is my only branded shirt that I got that was me, I left in the hotel the second time I wore it. I, it, oh. I was like, mother. Yeah. No fun, no fun on, on that side. So, Brian, man, what are we going to talk about? I don't know. Um, we've talked a lot about... So, we met at Social Media Marketing a while, a while back, but we finally got to hang... Two years ago. ...here yeah. in Poland. Yeah, it's been fun. And you're, you live currently in my favorite city in the world. I, I've been to... Copenhagen. 73 countries, and Copenhagen is my... Really? Yeah, my Why? Favorite. Why is um, that? It's my, my people. I think they're laid back, yet driven. They're friendly, yet... Um, pleasantly optimistic. And I also feel like from a tourism side, they, they, they give Americans a fair shake. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, which absolutely. makes it a lot, you know, even like, you know, like a lot of times, I mean, I stick out as an American, but I also sometimes come across as the ignorant American because I don't know any better, right? And, uh, and you're a Canadian living there, so I'm sure you have a, but yeah, for me, you know, being a, like, I always loved Seoul, Korea. Seoul, Korea mm, loves Americans there. there. That, that's a, um, uh, and I also like the Middle East, the Middle East, uh, Kuwait, Bahrain, uh, those are some of the countries I really enjoyed. And, you know, the countries I don't enjoy are the countries really that are, you know, that, you know, sometimes just are insulted by my ignorance, right? Like Paris, mm. Paris and France, like France is just, yeah, I, mean, I love Paris. Let's see. Paris does not love me. Okay. Me, me, me and Paris have like a, we have like a very, well, I would say it's a love hate relationship. It's more like a hate hate relationship. Okay. But, um, yeah, I love, Copenhagen's absolutely love nice. Copenhagen. That's and you're great. a Canadian, so you love everybody and love everything, but. Uh, yeah, everything. Everything. Just everything. <laughs> no, no, I don't love everything, but I do love Copenhagen and I do love Paris, even okay. though. It's not your favorite, but um, yeah, that's nice to hear. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it back with and, me. I'll and tell. How long have you been the, in Copenhagen? I've been there ten years. Ten years. Ten years. Live abroad, people. If you have the opportunity, go live somewhere else. It changes your mind, your perspectives, your your life. Um, do it. Okay, so let's start there. This is a good way. So, from a marketer, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I said on my Instagram story yesterday, like I. I think most, there's so much in marketing that is full of shit. They sell rainbows, unicorns, bullshit. Um, they've mm-hmm. been getting away for, get, getting away with it for years because vanity metrics and lots of these excuses that, you know, takes too long to deliver. Um, and I think you're authentic, you're real, but you're not, um, overly in people's faces. You, you say it how it is in your opinion and you're running a booming, you know, you're up to 10 employees now, right? In your business. Yeah. What are your thoughts from you? What do you, what did you gain perspective wise being, a marketer that's outside of North America that, but also has like the links to the North America culture being Canadian. Right. Like, because I think I, I hate the excuse that says, Hey, we're behind the times because we're, you know, outside of the U S right. and, and I sit on stage. Like, I think, uh, Americans are really good at talking about themselves. 
we are. I'm, I'm an expert at that. Um, yeah. But we're also good at um, talking about shit that's really not true or maybe not really come to a fruition. But what are your thoughts from the outside? Because you kind of, you're like the insider outsider, right? Like, what yeah, are your that's, on a, that? that's a good way of putting it. Like, um, I mean, I've been successful at being the insider outsider. So, and that's given me a lot of perspective. And I think that when we look at, so when people typically look at North American advertising, it can be seen as over the top. Mm-hmm. So if, from a European standpoint, when we look at sort of, and most people have, I think, at least in Europe, have a little bit more um, critique okay. or have a little bit more awareness about advertising and sort of like, am I being sold BS here or am I being sold like the real deal? So they, they're a little bit more trepidatious about what uh, messages they believe. Okay. And so... From my standpoint, like that's really fed into my own personal brand and also how I like to approach things because I'm not um, the smoke and mirrors type of guy. I'm not like trying to like overly sell it. I'm not trying to like, you'll see a lot of people um, do their videos and they're like hyper energetic and they're like massively positive to a sense that you're like, okay, can we take it to yeah. a reality? Oops. Can we like slow down Pump a bit? The here? So I, I mean, that's influenced how I am, right? Also, as a Canadian, we're also a little bit more reserved um, in some senses. But now you're but, saying reserved. Yeah, you have a full sleeve tattoo, well, rock the beard, the hat. You're but that's afraid, what I mean by not being, afraid to drop an f bomb. That's what I mean by being the insider outsider. Right. So like, there's elements of of sort of marketing that can come forward. Like people still enjoy um, good marketing, good content marketing, stuff that gives them value, stuff that, you know, even good advertising. I mean, we could see like people still consume a ton of YouTube videos that are just ads. Yep. People still consume a lot of uh, Super Bowl ads and stuff of like that. So people aren't, are interested in that if it gives them value, right? So, and it's the same on my side with like looking like, you know, some sort of weird rock star. Um, they're willing to accept me. And also because I am an outsider, right? they're like, okay, it's because he's Canadian. Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. okay, he's yep. obviously he looks like a lumberjack rock star <laughs> because uh, hashtag he's, lumberjack he's, rock star because <laughs> he's because uh, yeah exactly because he's because uh, he's Canadian. So I get away with a lot, which is good. It's worked for me. Like in Europe, it's worked for me massively. Right now, now, but when you when you look at you know because I think you said like I think I think a lot of Americans are naive and it was kind of proven with the Mark Zuckerberg questioning of Congress that like I mean like the line of questioning was just like wow you live in freaking yeah. America and you're still clueless on what really the internet is <laughs> and you like some of those pieces yeah. and you know and I I've had some interesting you know I traveled a, but a can lot I, but it kind of stop you there because yeah. I don't like my perception of Americans because I've worked right. all and, over the world and we talked a little bit about this yesterday I think. Americans get a, a bad shake on that. Like, I think, um, I've never met ignorant Americans. Okay. Ever. And I've never met, like, naive Americans. I think that Congress might be a different story. Right, right, yeah. Very, <laughs> like, very true, very true. I, I think that, like, that might be the exception I mean, that you like, actually... Yeah, exactly. Like, there's exceptions <laughs> to every rule. But I think that most, I think most, like, regular anybody in America would have done a better job of questioning Mark Zuckerberg. Correct. Um, I, and that's kind of sad, like it in is, some ways. It is. It's, um, it's I being, you know, being in Denmark. I mean, I've really enjoyed their political system. I think right. that there's some smart people. There's obviously dumb people. I mean, listen, uh, not everybody had straight A's in school. Right. No. I mean, this doctors. Guy. Doctors still can have a C average and right. pass and be your doctor. Right. Right. Like so. 
And it's the same across every board. So you're gonna find stupid people, you're gonna find smart people, and hopefully the smart people rise to the top. That's not always the case. But so for for me, I mean, like, I never met any naive, I've never met a single naive, ignorant American. So, so, so how would you portray marketers in America versus marketers outside of America from your side? Like maybe, so maybe it's not naive. Maybe it's more, um, you know, cause to the point where you were saying like, I mean, I think I, I agree Europeans see through it a little bit more, which then makes marketers kind of check themselves a little bit. I think there's a little bit yeah. less of, um, making claims that aren't true. Right. Right. But so how do you look at that from like, cause I think there's, you know, there's a lot of people that, um, especially like in my audience, my community, they look at what I'm doing as kind of like a disruptor, right? I'm not afraid to call out the spade. Right. Right. Uh, not a right, not afraid to say that, hey, this monster might have been successful for nine years in America doing it this way. Right. But, um, it's not, that doesn't mean I think it's the right way of doing it, right? So how do you look at that? Cause if you're not, if, if Americans aren't naive, if the, the typical, you know, um, you know, American isn't what you're used to seeing, what do you think that like that main difference is between, where where marketers are in America versus marketers that are on the outside. So I think it goes back to that, what you originally said is like, there's a little bit more uh, out there, boldness. I would say like American marketing and American marketers are more bold. Okay. Right, so you would, they, they're not afraid of getting into the sound bites, they're not afraid to uh, be out there a little bit more. Um, I mean, your whole thing is about sort of pressing pressing the damn button, which I love, because I think as I've experienced European marketers or, you know, anybody that's a, I hate using the word term influencer, but yeah. <laughs> there is like, they're afraid to put themselves out there. Okay. They're afraid of like, and that's changing. Like you can actually, and you're an exception to that, right? Like you're, I'm you're, an exception because, to that, yeah. but I'm also like not necessarily in that, in that club, but, right. but I'm just noticing people are much more willing to share Yep. Um, they're much more willing to put themselves out there in Europe now. So it's like America has always been like a really good, like you said that people in Europe are doing, you know, people in Europe think that their marketing is actually behind the times. And that's actually, I mean, ideas in general are permeating through the culture and through the world much, much faster now. Yep. And so I'm finding like that in combination with just the changes and how we're experiencing um, business and life and culture and social media. We're just seeing that everybody's more willing to share. Everybody's more willing to put themselves out there. Um, you know, I mean, steal, take stuff from other people and mix and match. And like, you know, it's a little bit of like cultural appropriation in some way. Right. But it's, it's in a good way. It's like taking the best of whatever and putting it together. Um, so we're, I think we're seeing that from all marketers. I mean, I've seen like, you know, people that, I would say like I've seen, yeah, just an explosion of people that are like putting themselves out there. Um, no, on that on that note, I tell you, so one of the things that I, one of my favorite videos, piece of content you've ever created, I don't think I've told you this yet, but um, you know, like I follow a lot of marketers and I, and I like to um, align my message, my people with people that I think are doing it the right way. And, and I remember when you took on kind of like the Gary V D rock vlog series and you brought up, right. you brought up, and I can tell you your last video where you shared why you stopped doing it yeah. was everything to me. Like I, oh. dude, I watched that. I watched it more than once because I felt like, um, you, you, saw the trend you saw how the power could be at it and yeah. you fucking dove in right you went all in on it yeah. and you were riding it and then you just you came to a you know and maybe talk about that like because yeah. i think a lot of people that when they get to a point where they go do something like that 
you know, we talk about failure, everyone fails, but yeah. being able to own that failure before it runs you dry, before yeah. it burns you out, you know, you share that. I, I would love to, you know, what was, I mean, when you brought that on, it was an idea of like, hey, I'm going to test out this, yeah. this method. But you, your ability to kind of pivot out of that with, yeah. without thinking twice, to Thanks, me, man. was like, man, that's, that's the real deal. Well, I don't think like anybody should do anything um, just because. Like, I think that was the thing for us is that we, of course, I mean, I saw the trend. I mean, there's so many vlogs. And also, if you like YouTube search business vlog, there's like just it, it's massively exploded. And that's to the credit of, of guys like Gary Vee and Casey Neistat and, 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 and everything else like that. So, I mean, and of course, we saw that. So we jumped in and said, OK, should we try this out? And we did. And I just found it not sustainable. It was incredibly difficult to do it. Um, it was disruptive to my business. It was disruptive to my personal life. It was disruptive to how I wanted to handle clients. Like also being in Europe, I mean, bringing a camera into somebody's office to be like, Hey, we're going to document this. And, and like, it just wasn't appropriate. Right. It just wasn't, it wasn't jiving. It was, it was creating a barrier between getting things done. So I was like, this is not, this is not going to work. So I'm out instead of trying to fit into a mold and say like, this is how, like, instead of like taking the Gary Vee model or the Casey Neistat model or the Grant Cardone model or the, or the Brian Fanzo model, like whatever it is, I think as marketers, as people like trying to do this sort of thing, we have to look at it, examine it, see, does that work for us? Take it with a grain of salt and see, okay, what's, is this working for me? Um, never just like say, okay, we're doing this because we seen somebody else do it. Um, and so like, it was a hard thing to, to do, but ultimately I had to, I had to kind of do some soul searching on it and say like, okay, do I really want to do this? Um, it might come back up again. Like that's the other thing too, is like, you can kill your darlings, you can kill the things that you want to do, but that doesn't mean that you can't go back and pivot back into it. For sure. Um, I think that's, some people get that wrong. They're like, oh, well, no, we tried that. So now it's not going to work. <laughs> well, just because you tried something back then doesn't mean it doesn't work now. Yep. Um, there's a lot of times where it's like you need to be continually testing, guessing, figuring out like what works, what doesn't work. Um, so we might, I mean... I mean, essentially, I am vlogging with this thing on Instagram right, stories. Yeah, right, like, that's right. I essentially, like, time. this is it. It's just not going. It's just it's just 24 hour and, like, you know, disappearing and shit. So it is it is alive in some ways, but not in the YouTube sense. Yeah, which I think, you know, like, the, the point of going back, like, the amount of people that tell me that, like, well, I tried Instagram and, and it wasn't working for our business. And I'm like, even if you tried it a year ago, Instagram is a completely different platform today than it was yeah, a year ago, right? Like, and I think... That, I think that's a lesson too, is that you can always pivot back into it, right? Even like podcasting. I mean, podcasting boomed whatever yeah. it was 10 years ago. And then about five years ago, people kind of like, eh, this is not, we're not sure where this is going. And and it, like, yeah. And now it's hitting this. Now everybody know, wants a podcast. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, it, you know, and, and that's why, but it's also funny because I, I always talk about the stat that, you know, the average podcast lasts seven episodes. People give up after seven episodes. Is that what it is? Yeah, it is. And and even if you look, like you can search podcasts and you're like, look at these ones. You're like, oh, 2014, seven episodes. Yeah. You know, this episode, you know, this yeah. this guy launched a podcast, or you know, like yeah. even like even like some big names. Like it's funny. I remember like you put like Guy Kawasaki. Guy Kawasaki, I think, has launched six podcasts and like none of them have got past like episode 15 like like i mean like he's like launched it when all you know and i and it sounds I, like me yeah but i yeah. think that's that is also the beauty of the like what we're living in is that but i i will say that you could have easily 
just, just stop doing the blog or the vlog. Like, I mean, of like telling people like, like I mean, you like, I, and it was, it was, yeah, a, it was a fun true. video. And I mean, I, I think everyone should watch that also as a way of you, cause you shared what you shared kind of what you just told me, like, you know, why it didn't fit in, why, you know, it was disrupting for your client business yeah. and your priorities. And, you know, my talk today here was define what success is and only do things that are going to help you get towards that success. Right? right. And like, and I thought you did that really well because you owned it and you're like, you, and I, I feel like anyone that would be getting into That's a right. vlog should watch your end of your First, vlog, right? Because, because the, yeah, the yeah, like the, the end, go to the end, go to the end and then decide if you want to do it. Yeah. Because I think that's, that is also something. And I also think that's, you know, if you think yeah. about it, like, you know, Good in point. this marketing space where there is so much noise, you can almost fail without anyone realizing it. But those that right. own their failures as right. like a lesson, I think it's freaking cool. Like I think, and I think that's where I think yeah. that's where businesses need to take yeah. advantage of. I mean, like the amount of businesses that fail and they either yeah. put their head in the sand, right. or they like, try to claim it didn't really fail, or, yeah. or, or or fire their social media right. manager. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, dude, if you just came out and owned it, like, wow, it would change. I think we need much more of that. I see too much winning online, yeah. and I think that like if you are really honest about it, like obviously you don't want to put out every loss because like right. you have to choose your losses carefully in some way sure. as much as you show like your wins because everything is like if I showed you like okay we lost this client or we did this like that might help you massively but it might actually hurt really me. hurt me badly yeah. like and so it's it's a matter of like sharing as as much as you think is strategically makes sense but uh, I'm really glad you said that like sharing that loss and I think there was no other reason for it that I thought like people needed an explanation and not that I had a massive audience in any way, but it, it's, um, yeah, but the fact and, that and it needed like, it needed some, it needed some closure It needed, and it also needed like, and I didn't do it to, I did it sort of also to try to teach people or at least give some value in that ending, in that loss, that something good could come out of it to share uh, this story and see if others were thinking about doing it and doing a vlog and said, okay, like you said, like go back, watch that one before you start, but don't, I don't want to prevent anybody from trying it. No, for that's, sure. that's the thing. Like, I don't want anybody to see that and be like, Oh, we're not going to do that. Um, well, I, I think the idea, I think the lesson that you, I took away from it was that, you know, like own it, you know, don't be afraid to jump in the deep end, right. but also realize that there is a ladder and you get the hell like, out of the deep end. Right. And like, and don't be, it. yeah. And I think you did that, that really well. And so, Thanks, man. you know, one of the things I'm curious about, you know, I think a lot of people today look at the, you know, I've, I've always hated the agency model for a lot of reasons, uh, especially traditional big agencies in the United States where I feel, um, they give three quarters value, um, continually so that they continue to get renewed. They never like, um, mm. and that's just my personal opinion of the agencies that I worked with when I was on enterprise and, yeah. and, and startups. Um, but then I, then I, but I also feel there's this new wave that, that people are, I'd say the last three years of people that are either starting an agency or maybe, um, have an agency that's, that's pivoting. Um, I, there's also, you know, in my opinion, there's some agencies that just recently, even some friends that they closed up their agencies because they were the old model and it wasn't, you know, kind of factoring in. But you've, you've been growing. I also, one of the things I really loved, um, from your content from afar, right? From the, the states in is that, like, I remember the, the, uh, you getting your office space right. and you getting like the smoke mirror with your, with the and co on there and That's I fun. like and so these are things I remember as a yeah. as a fan of yours what are some lessons that you've learned and we talked about this like you know I've I've struggled to build a team right and, and, I, and I love team like my favorite thing the jobs I've had is having yeah. a team of work but uh, I've I've lived the entrepreneur solopreneur model way right. longer than I than I 
you know, I've, I've kind of milked that to where I, I do need help, and I and I do realize that. But you, you built. You're now ten people. You 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 have a space. You now opened up a new space. Yeah. What are like? What's your? You know, if someone either starting an agency or maybe they're kind of burnt out. Like, what is your lessons learned? Or what are, what is your driving force for building right. your team right. um, and and kind of doing an agency your way? Okay, so let's let's unpack that a bit. Yep. Um, I obviously like. I believe you're absolutely right. The agency space is kind of being disrupted. Um, I believe we work in a real-time marketing world now. Right. And I think that the old agency model is doesn't fit that. They're not agile enough, not fast enough. Execution is slow. Execution is half-assed. Um, that's not the case for all. Like, There's tons of great agencies that kick ass. But, but for us, it's been speed. Like, How fast can we deliver super quality and deeper technical knowledge in how to do marketing because a lot of it is kind of technical nowadays. Like how do you, how do you do uh, Instagram? How do you do, you know, social video? How do you do? So there's a lot of like deep knowledge that we have and then layer that over top of speed. Okay. Right. So how do we do that and keep that? And that's, that's a core sort of thing for me as we grow because as you grow, you lose agility. For sure. Right? So it's about like, how do we do that? And, and sort of, that's what keeps me up at night. Like, how do we do that? So, um, so there's that part. The other part is like, there's a lot of solo entrepreneurs out there. Um, I watched this video with Grant Cardone and Carlos Gill. We both, we both know Carlos pretty well. Uh, and Grant Cardone was like, sort of like telling solo entrepreneurs, Oh, you're selfish. You should, you should grow a team. You should grab. And I'm not like that. Like, I don't, you know, I think there's a do what you do best, right? Like you say, you love working with a team and you've done that in the past. Like, I mean, we were talking about you growing a, a pretty big team a few years ago right? and you love that team dynamic. So if that's for you, then do that. Right. If, if you're into more being a solo entrepreneur, I think it's a much, I think it's a much more fulfilling when you build a team because you have more opportunities, you have um, ability, you have like, if you're able to take on that responsibility, it's massively fulfilling. Like it's really fulfilling to me that I've got a team that I'm responsible for, that I'm like helping them put food on the table, like helping them grow because I do believe that um, working for me will be better than working for anybody else right? because of my approach to things. So, and I think that'd be the same with you. Like if you have the chops, if you're that kind of person, we need more of that. Right. Like there's too many businesses run by managers, not leaders. Yep. There's too many businesses I run mean. by people that actually give more crap about money than they do people. There's too many, like, and that's a balancing act. I know that like you can't operate without money. You can't operate without people. Right. Right. So like, but there's too many businesses that are run like crap. So if you actually have the chops and have that emotional IQ and have that uh, ability to lead people, then you should be doing it, right? And I urge you to do that. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, what were some of the other questions? No, so like, I mean, I, so I think scaling. You know, like yeah. you know, I'm a big into reading people or what people say or don't say. And you, you made a comment yesterday, or maybe it was today. The days are blurring together. Um, that you're like, I would love to have a 30 person team. I think it was last night. Yeah. And then, but then I also heard you talking about how you've done a really good job of hiring people that are outside of your local area, your sphere. When you look at talent, you know, and bringing people on, like one of the things that I look, I, I, I think we were, we were talking about this as well is that like, you know, building a team also is a responsibility of you're now responsible for this person 
helping this person put food on the table, right? And provide for their family. So now, you know, you're adding like, you know, like the, the parameters of responsibility, uh, only increase, but you're, you're also doing that outside of country, outside of, um, you know, you've hired people outside of Denmark. You've, you've brought a team. What's your strategy? You know, we hear that the freaking phrase all the time, like you can hire the smart, the the best talent anywhere in the world because of the digital world we live in. Right. And I, and I think that's great, but not many people take that up. Right. Like I hear that phrase and then I ask somebody and they're like, well, I heard everybody in the Silicon Valley and I have one person that lives in New York, right? right like, right. or, or, and I'm like, oh, how did that person come to New York? Well, they moved from the Silicon Valley. So what, what was, how's your approach to that team building dynamic that allows you to kind of bring in, you know, people right. from different uh, walks of life? I think it comes down to mindset. So like, I'm not afraid of hire. Like there's a lot of people that are afraid of hiring foreigners or immigrants or, or people that are outside of country because of just the, you know, just the logistics and just the sort of cultural thing and the aspects there. So what I'm more focused on is, is that the right person? Like from a cult, like from not cultural, but more like a mindset standpoint, do okay. they, do they have the right mindset? And what's, what's found, your mindset that you hire for? First of all, I mean, a lot of people will come to me and say, I'm a fast learner and like, just give me the job and I'll learn. And I don't, I don't ever hire that person. Okay. Uh, the reason being is that if you're a fast learner, you would have already had those skills. Right. It's like, why, Developing. why are you waiting for someone to hire you to get skilled? Yep. That's a bunch of bullshit. Yep. So, I so I, that, that, you might I be a run, fast learner, you're a lazy freaking yeah, person. Yeah. <laughs> I run for the hills when someone okay. says, just give me the job. I'm a fast learner. I'll learn it. No, no way. That's a dead end. So I obviously first look at skills. Okay. And people, some people, some gurus will say skills are cheap. Skills are not cheap. Skills are built over long periods of time doing something that you're passionate about. Okay. That's, I mean, you wouldn't be skilled in something lot. That's very rare for someone to be naturally just talented at something. Skills take time. It means that that person has been dedicated to a craft, yep. dedicated to doing something that they actually have built the skills for it. So skills come first, right? And we'll hire for that first. Um, but that has to be backed up with the, the mindset of that it's going to take hard work and I'm going to be a good person about that. Meaning that I collaborate. Um, I am not afraid of giving up responsibility. I'm not afraid of taking responsibility. And those, those are sort of like the three, four, five things that we look at um, when we're hiring. And then you don't know, like, the, here's the thing, like on the resume or the interview process, you really don't know how someone's going to be. You can have a sense of them. Um, until they join the team and then you get a really good sense of what are they doing? Like, how are they like, right. so don't be afraid to hire. Don't be afraid to fire. Yep. Like we've had people on the team that just did not fit. We thought they, they had the skills. They had everything looked great. Everything was like on paper was good, but then we get in and then a month we are like, no, this person's not working. So, you know, they have, they have to go. You can't keep them. That's cool. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, I, I completely agree on the skill side of the house. I, it's funny, that fast learner concept, right? Uh, the amount of people that come to me and like, oh, you're the advocate for millennials and Gen Z. And like, don't you think it's ridiculous that like our employers aren't training us to be great at what we do? And I'm like, did you say that? Did that really come out of your freaking mouth? Like, if you want to be great at something, go freaking do it yourself, right? Like, I put that onus 50% on the employee, 50% on the, on the yeah. employer, right? And I think... I mean, what, I mean, in this world, I, I actually, as a slide on my presentation today, I said, you know, you don't need permission to take action, True. right? And, and the fact that we still live in a world that says, 
you know, like, hey, I'm a fast learner. Give, give me permission, which, you know, means hire me. And then yeah. I'll go freaking take action. It's like, oh, no, I want to hire the take people that took action. action and yeah. I can, I can uh, captivate yeah. that. And I think yeah. that's, you know, I, I hate freaking stereotypes with generations. But, like, when you hear, like, um, like the laziness. And, the, and, and I don't think that is a generation thing. I think it's people. That's all, everyone. Yeah, everyone, right? right. I, I think that has zero to do even with. Even my, like, I'm a lower-end millennial. Like, yeah. I'm on the, you know, I'm in the Gen X almost. You're, what, what year were you born? 81. So, but, so I'm 81 as well. So yeah, we are millennial. But we're the very... But we, we are, so that's why we I say we're... So we are a, a pager-wearing millennial, right? Look at that. Look at that pager. Because we, we actually know what a pager was, right? Like, we, we actually... I mean, uh, did you have one of those? You owe somebody some weed. Weed, yes. <laughs> or, or boobs upside down, right? <laughs> I never had a pager ever. Never? I missed that. Really? I, missed, I, I don't know why. I had one. Um, um, I had one and... I took it to school one day and the principal sent a note home to my mom and said, your son's a drug dealer because they saw, and my mom was like, how is, how is he a drug dealer? And I'm like, yeah, because apparently if you had a pager, um, so yeah, we're both on that. Same if you got like three phones nowadays, like people are like, yep. What's with the three phones, bro? But that's funny. We're both about the same age, but, um, so, okay, we're going to wrap this up because we both have, um, presentations to go to. We're kind of hanging out here. But I have a question for you. Okay. Yeah. Um, because you've been in this game for, for a while and you're a massive speaker. You're speaking everywhere. And I think a lot of marketers want to get into that game. What's your number one tip for becoming a keynote international speaker? I think, you know, having a conviction, like ha ha being strong on some, you know, form, right? Like my, for me, I wanted to be a speaker and then it was like this think like a fan mentality where people started associating and saying like, I need that conviction on my stage, right? The other part of it is just because you put it in your bio, just because you, you know, uh, you, you really have to commit to doing it. And we, you and I were even talking about like, I did a lot of free gigs. I still do a uh, fair, you know, I probably do, I try to do four, um, I'd say free, you know, where, um, I'm not getting paid like a speaker fee uh, a year. Um, but I think, you know, having something to say, you know, is, 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 it's funny that like people are like, well, I've been really good at what I do. And I'm like, can you convey that to an audience to where right. you can either educate them? Uh, my, my three rules is you either educate, you inspire, or you motivate, right? It has to be one of those three on stage, right? right. And, um, and you can be a little bit of all because I'm like the anti-niche in that way. Like I, I like to present, like my presentation this morning, um, was very more inspirational. I, I wouldn't say that I didn't any, you know, any true educational, but yesterday in the marketing stage, even you said like, you know, like that was much more like, Hey, here's some things to do. Go, go take these out. Um, but yeah, I would say for becoming a speaker, you know, it's, it's putting yourself on there and you have to love it because this road, I mean, I tell you what, like I, last week I was in Newcastle, I flew home for my daughter's birthday on the weekend, flew all the way back here. I had horrible travel issues and it was funny because people always like, man, Brian, you get to travel the world, do all these stages. And like, I love every second that I'm on stage. I freaking love being on stage. It, it is my zen. It, it is something I feel like I was born to do. But the rest of it that goes with it is just as big as a pain in the ass as doing any other job. Yeah. And I mean, like even managing a calendar and yeah. time zones, like I missed a meeting yesterday and I, uh, you know, because I was over here and to me, that's like beyond frustrating because I, right. I value people's time, yeah. but it's something that I have to get better at balancing. But I think the, I think the speaker world's also changing 
changing. Um, old white guys uh, talking with getting other old white guys gigs um, is starting to stop, thankfully, right? Like I think the uh, the old white guy, old white guy mentality is dying. Uh, as a white guy, like that makes it a little bit harder competitively for me okay. because I, th I believe um, minorities and females are gonna get the shot that they deserve, right. right? And I believe the opportunities, you know, for any event that's out there that says, well, we decided not, you know, there wasn't females that could talk about, that's crap, you were not willing to look. Yeah. Like I, I backed at a CES this year um, and I didn't really talk about this publicly much, but um, they had an all male, uh, their, their eight main spots at CES ginormous technology event were all male. Right. And I loved speaking at that event two years ago, and I was appalled. As a dad of three girls, as someone that believes that you know equality, there are so many female CEOs and CEOs, and and the the excuse was we looked at all of the possibilities, and there was no females that that were right. like out there. I think that's um, you know a very interesting one. So I think the speaking one is an interesting space. I also think. Um, you know, monetize, everyone can speak for different reasons, right? I, I do, I work with a lot of speakers that speak on the same stage as me, don't get paid near as much money to speak, but close five or six clients for their, their for their agency, right? right? So like, if you're speaking, it doesn't have to be, you know, it's, it's this crazy world where, um, you know, don't get paid, exposure isn't what you should be uh, getting like freaking, Exposure, we'll get you some exposure. Exposure emails, yes. Um, those drive me crazy. But I think there is an element of like you can build name recognition, you can build client base, you can yeah. you know, even if you're you know preparing a launch of a book, maybe you have a podcast and speaking out there right. gets you podcast listeners. So I think having a unique strategy with for speaking and for me, um, I mean I I absolutely love it. I wanna do this more full time. You know, it's eighty percent of my revenue now. But um, yeah, it, it's an interesting game for sure. Yeah. So those are some good tips, man. Yeah. I'm gonna speak a lot more. Uh, stuff, I'm man. a white guy, but I'm gonna compete against you. Yeah, we're the white guys that try to stand out by being a little bit different on brand and stuff. But um, good stuff, my friend. Yeah, it's been always been good, man. It's really good to see it's, you. It's again. good to see you. We get to hang out next time. We're gonna have to hang out when I'm in Copenhagen, right? You know, I've been there three times, and it just happens to be all three times. I'm going that way. Yep. You're going this way. I know. And like last time, I remember I'm like I'm staying for an extra two days. You're like, that's funny because I'm staying an extra two days in London because my my client kept me here. I'm like, that's kind of the world we work in. But uh, yeah, that's life. I do. We'll mix it up. See Cheers. You. Peace. Gang signs somewhere. <laughs>